Welcome to Startup Hacks, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the stories and secret strategies that women entrepreneurs use to save time and money when bootstrapping and building their businesses. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina, and today I'm so excited to welcome Brooke Markovicius. Brooke is the founder and CEO at Allaby, a one-stop business solution for the overwhelmed entrepreneur. After receiving her master's in computer information systems from Boston University, Brooke got a job at a fast-paced startup. She loved it, but had her daughter and decided that she would rather hustle for herself and have flexible work. She quit and started freelancing for years before founding Allaby. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you. It's so great to be here. It's awesome to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think what you're building is uh, clearly very needed for many, many founders. And I'm excited to kind of dig into your own story and and what you're building. So before we start, um, I'd love to get a little bit of a, you know, kind of background story about where you started, where you grew up, how you, your professional career um, where it was launched, what you, you know, what you pursued and how you made that pivot into entrepreneurship. Yeah, for sure. I actually have a pretty non-traditional path into entrepreneurship or tech. Um, I grew up with, uh, my parents, one was a teacher and one was a preacher. And so I always thought that I would go into some sort of service work, whether it was education or ministry or something like that. Um, And I actually went for my undergrad for education and thought I was going to be a teacher, but I graduated in 2008 in the recession and there were not even really teaching jobs. And so I actually ended up going into nonprofit work um, and worked at a few nonprofits in my early career, which I think led to actually some of my ideas for entrepreneurship. You had to get scrappy with money in um, in any nonprofit. And that's also where I found my love for technology because I was always fixing everybody's tech problems. And so that's what sparked my interest in going back and getting my master's in computer information systems, which eventually led me into the entrepreneur path after leaving Postmates. Yeah. So you slipped in the Postmates at the very end. <laughs> so um, so let's just go back a little bit. When you started at Postmates, just yeah. for our listeners, Can you walk us through what stage they were in and and what that was like? Yeah, they had just entered into um, Series B. They had just were like finishing the round as I was entering in. Um, They were had kind of solidified their, you know, their presence in San Francisco and New York. And they were just starting to launch into other cities. So I actually helped them launch the Southeast region since that's where I originally was from and grew up. And now I'm back in it. Um, and that is about where they were at that stage. And did you enjoy being kind of boots on the ground in a new startup? And did you have any idea they were going to grow and become this huge? (laughs) You know, I absolutely loved it. And it really made me want to continue in the startup space. I definitely got the startup bug from there. I loved that everything was always changing, that we were doing, you know, customer interviews constantly and iterating and changing the product. And 
um, really building something every single day and being a part of that was like intoxicating and exciting. Um, but it definitely was a lot to hustle for when I became a new mom. And that's when I decided to step away. So, so let's chat a little bit about the lifestyle switch, because I think that's something that obviously is very specific to women, which is not to say that men do not participate in the child rearing, but oftentimes, as we've seen, women are the ones who make the career pivot in order to be that caretaker or feel really stressed and pulled in two different directions. So walk us through what that was like for you. My husband was definitely making more than me because I was at a startup and he was at a very cushy job at Microsoft. And so I knew that there wasn't really much of a question of who was going to be leaving their job at that point. Um, we tried to balance it between me dropping off my daughter later at daycare and him picking her up early, but then we were ships passing in the night. And I just knew that something had to give. Um, and I think that women just, we feel like it, it falls onto us. And I have a super supportive spouse, but um, society is not really made for the, the flexibility that uh, women need, especially when they have a child. Exactly. And you just said the magic word, right? Flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now walk us through um, the, the light bulb moment of when you thought about starting your business and when that idea came to you. Yeah. So as soon as I left Postmates, I joke that I lasted as a stay-at-home mom for a week. I was bored <laughs> after a week. Um, no sleep still as having a little kid, but I dove into the world of freelancing and navigated myself through it. Um, I had good skills with web development and having worked in a startup, I kind of knew those early days of what people needed. Um, so I helped a lot of early stage startup founders and also nonprofits and small business owners. And I absolutely loved working for myself. <laughs> and I loved the flexibility of it. Um, because I could work early in the morning and during nap time and late at night and just whenever I wanted to. Um, but I was feeding the needs of myself as my own employee, but also as the company that I was running, the business that I was running. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. And then I found that a lot of other women were doing the same thing as me um, and that this was something that was going to continue to grow over time. Um, the whole idea of freelancing. And so I actually had helped to co-found a co-working space um, with a friend when I lived out on the West Coast that was for moms that were freelancing or running businesses. And we had created this little micro economy of women supporting women and helping each other get referrals and helping each other uh, get trainings and, you know, more jobs to work on. And I thought, well, this is lovely, but doesn't everybody need this across the country and maybe the world? Um, and so that was really that light bulb moment for me as a, as a typical mom. I was literally nursing my second child sitting on a couch in this co-working space. And I was like, I miss the startup world. I think I, I need to do something with this. Um, and then fast forward a few years and we are here today. Yeah, so interesting. Um, I can so relate to your story because one of the 
primary reasons behind the founding of We Global Studios was also, if I may chime in, was also uh, recognizing that women come in, you know, many shapes and sizes. And by that, I don't mean physical appearance, but just, you know, the kind of entrepreneur that they are. Right. Yeah. Some some are really uh, very set on VC funding and mm-hmm. and want to scale and want to scale quickly. Others are building a lifestyle business and that's perfectly, um, perfectly suitable for them. And it's what they want. And others want to create a different kind of path that maybe has a little bit more of a winding road. And there isn't a lot of flexibility within the system mm-hmm. for that kind of spectrum of, of entrepreneurship. So when you launched, was it just you? Did you have a co-founder? How did that come about? Yeah, so I was a solo founder for the first year of the the business. Um, We were in beta. I had built our initial MVP, um, and that was the advantage of being a technical uh, founder. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was using contractors that were working for Halloby in general. And that helps to keep the the cost low in the early days and for me to get enough done. Um, But then I was able to bring on our chief operating officer and our chief strategy officer that kind of became the extra part of our founding team. So they're not technically co-founders, but they came on um, in the early days uh, to help support us and help get us to kind of the next step, um, which was launching live to the public in May of 2020. And so share with the audience exactly what Allobe is and what it does. We are this one-stop business solution for the overwhelmed entrepreneur, which overwhelmed entrepreneurs, as you just said, there's a lot of journeys in entrepreneurship. Um, It can be freelancing, or it also could be um, small business owners and startup founders. And so we are a two-sided marketplace, um, and we help to support uh, business owners by getting them matched with fully vetted experts. And also we have tools to help support um, those freelancers in getting their work done more efficiently and higher quality. What kind of freelancers does your marketplace have accessible to um, to a client? Yeah, so we're pretty heavy in support. We have a lot of virtual assistants, marketing assistants, Um, We also have bookkeeping and then we have everything up to web development, app development, branding. Um, We really are that anything you could need in those first few years of business um, and even as you start to scale. Has the platform been successful since the launch? It has. We 3X our revenue um, from 2020 to 2021. Um, We've had over 2,000 projects on the platform and are continuing to grow. So yeah, it's been, it's crazy, been a crazy ride, um, but also a really exciting one. How have you strategically been able to connect with the founders out there? I am at the heart of who I am, a relationship builder and community builder. And so that's kind of been something that's always been um, a strength of mine. And so I've been building my network for uh, 10, 15 years um, now. And that really paid off as a, as a founder. You have access to a lot of different communities that you can um, get your idea out and then your product out into their hands. And then they start sharing it and talking about it and you get that brand awareness. Um, so we've really focused on partnerships and organizations that already have that know, like, and trust to tap into. Now that you're out raising um, capital, what has that been like for you? 
you know, you, you got me on a good day. <laughs> three, good, three good pitches today. Um, it's hard. It's a hard climate for, for female founders. And I, I hope for that to get better. I know that I'm in the minority of having even raised a, a round already. Um, and it, it's something that I had a hard time deciding whether I wanted to raise venture capital. Um, but one of my mentors um, really, you know, sat down with me and was like, well, how fast do you want to get women paid? And how fast do you want to make an impact? Um, and I wanted to make it fast and I wanted to, to be able to go at it and scale. Um, and I also knew that we had um, the software components that would come into play eventually. Um, and so I decided to go down that path, but I knew it was going to be hard and I have to remind myself of that kind of every day, but I just keep showing up and every no leads to eventually a yes. And I think it's just something we have to, to keep supporting each other as women founders, making those introductions, those connections. Um, as much as we can. But I've also found that a lot of people will take a cold email that can lead to a conversation. So it's just asking and being consistent. In the two-sided marketplace, is it all women that you're supporting on the vendor side? Yeah, so we're 99% um, women on the freelance side and about 1% male. And then on our client side, we have everybody. <laughs> we mm -hmm. thought that we would end up having um, predominantly women since we targeted, especially like women entrepreneur groups um, the most in the early days. Uh, but we actually ended up having just as many men that their their wife would tell um, you know, the man about Alibi and they would end up coming meeting us for something. And so we are pretty 50-50 pretty split at this point. Um, between our clientele. Talk to us about the business model. I'm presuming that your clients don't pay for the service or do they pay for the service? That we take both a transactional model. So every match that's made on our platform for those that project or that hourly work, we do take a, a transaction fee. And then we also, um, our freelancers pay to get access to the jobs. And then our um, business owners, all of the clients, they also, um, we just released this uh, this year, um, they actually pay for access to our platform to get on-demand jobs from our experts. So they can come in for free to get the, um, the traditional hourly and project base, but they pay an additional monthly fee if they want to get access to the on-demand work, which they all really love. And so we have a pretty high um, subscription model of um, retention rate. And that's for those that are providing the services? On both sides, both mm -hmm. providing and receiving. So what's ahead? What's, what's in the pipeline for the next two to three years? Yeah, so we very much appeared as bot managed marketplace up to this point, but we've been building um, tools in the background uh, kind of stealthily. So we'll be releasing our first AI tool that is called Be Seen. It's a visibility tool and content tool for freelancers to use for their businesses. And that is releasing at the end of quarter two of this year. And then we'll be building some more tools that are in the pipeline that we're excited about. So um, our first tool was this matching tool that does all of the matching that really looks like that two-sided marketplace, but mm -hmm. um, there's a lot to come for LOB um, in our tool section. And what is Be Seen? Is that a marketing tool? So it's actually content creation. So mm -hmm. we end up creating 30 days of content um, for you at a time. 
and uh, also it creates the graphics and we utilize um, uh, OpenAI plus we've trained our uh, machine learning models um, through a lot of <laughs> data that we've collected um, over the last few years and um, it's a really affordable way um, to get consistent content out for your startup or your small business, which is the one thing that people struggle paying with or paying for, um, because it can cost up to like 1500 or more a month to get consistent content for your business. Yeah, 100%. Wonderful. So now let me just ask you about our startup hacks um, that we've discussed before. I would love to get your thoughts on three key startup hacks that you've used that you feel have saved you time, money, or help you gain a competitive edge in this process? Well, one is, I guess, a little bit uh, pushing my company, but we use our contractors and it's allowed us to keep a really low overhead, which was very appealing in our first round of raising um, because we barely were paying anybody a salary and we only had um, contractor fees. So that was really helpful. So don't hire a full-time employee until you really need to. Definitely test them out in the contractor um, side of it. I have found our best employees through first having them as a contractor and working with them over a period of time to find out if they were a really good culture fit for LOB. Um, so that's definitely number one is don't be afraid of using <laughs> contractors. They can be very beneficial mm -hmm. um, to your business. Um, number two would be to take time off as a founder. Um, you can't run yourself into the ground or you won't have a business and it will all fall apart. So don't be afraid to take time off. It can be very hard to, to step away or to feel like you can step away. But I take off. I never work on Saturday. I don't open my phone. I don't look at anything. Um, and I completely disconnect on Saturdays all the time. And it's definitely been my sanity um, keeper for that. Um, and then I also uh, really try to keep that flexible schedule, um, just like my employees do, because I believe that it's really important to have that flexible work. Um, and then number three would be to try out and iterate before you build too far. Um, mm. As a, for me, and I can laugh at this now, but um, I built some, helped build so many MVPs for early stage founders when I was um, doing web development, but I didn't take my own advice. <laughs> I <laughs> built too much on our MVP that we scrapped pretty much the whole thing. Wow. Um, and that was hard as a, as a developer to scrap your work, but it was needed and it's what helped to make our business thrive. And now we have a really great product. So don't build too much, test it out. You can build a lot with very little. So don't build too much too fast. So before we move off of that, and I know we're almost out of time, I, I just wanted you to add a little bit more to using kind of an agility model, which I think is, is what you're referencing with your building strategy. But when you say you can kind of get a lot from a little, what are kind of the key tickers you'd like to be able to tick off if you were just building kind of just a, a very rudimentary um, framework for kind of a, a platform? Would it be interaction with the customer to be able to get feedback? I mean, what would it be? Yeah. Um, 
interaction with customers, giving them something they actually can do something with <laughs> because you actually will get feedback from it. Um, if you're providing them something that they can't even really use or give you any feedback from, you're not going to learn anything. So what we ended up doing, um, even in the, the part that I had to scrap is as I built, I shared that with our initial users and let them test it out before I did too much to it. Um, and that allowed me to move fast and scrap things as they weren't effective and then build things that were better um, and just learn as I, as I was doing. Um, and we continue to kind of keep that model here at Alubia as we continue to build. We really focus on that user interaction um, and that feedback loop constantly. You're so lucky that you're a developer. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, that's so exciting. So we unfortunately are out of time already. I wanted to give you an opportunity to share your website, a way for the audience to connect with you if you have a URL you'd like to provide. Yeah, so we are at allobe.com. That's A-L-L-O-B-E-E.com. And then on social media, we're at HireAlloby on all platforms. So that's where you can find us. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. And thank you again for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much. Uh, our pleasure. Tune in next week for more Startup Hacks. We have another great show you won't want to miss on the secret female founder strategies that will save you time and money when building your business. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital do-it-yourself startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina, and we will see you next week.